everyone. It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Have you heard this statement? It's the same, but different. Elizabeth de Cruz not only makes beautiful things with embroidery, sewing, and quilting, but also with pajagi. I had never heard of it before, and as quilters, I think you're going to fall in love with this other form of sewing. It's kind of like making a quilt, but different. You can also find out more about Epida Studio Design on her website, epidastudio.com. Thank you so much for being on A Quilter's Life. Oh, thank you for having me here. Let's start back at your beginning. Where were you born and raised? So I was born and raised in Cambridge, Ontario, Canada, which is about an hour away from Toronto. Do you have a special childhood memory? I grew up in a loving family and a great extended family and community. So I did have a nice childhood. I have a younger brother and sister who I'm still pretty close to. So I don't have any one specific um, childhood memory that stands out, but I did have a really great childhood and growing up. Nice. Before we get into quilting and your quilting business, is there other employment you've had? Uh, I've done a bunch of different things. I've done work in an office. I was a teacher for a little while. For a number of years, I homeschooled my children, which is not a traditional job, but it is certainly a job. So um, I've done a bunch of different things. Besides quilting, what other crafts do you do or have you done? Uh, it's probably easier to make a list of what I haven't done. Um, I've tried almost everything because I, I also do um, general sewing and I do knitting, crocheting. I have a loom and I do weaving. I sometimes do paper crafts for fun, um, baking. So I like anything that I make with my hands. I tend to enjoy um, doing that. Wow, that's a lot. Yes. <laughs> Who introduced you to quilting? Uh, I was thinking about that because I saw the question um, that you'd asked to other people. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to even think of how I got started in quilting and who introduced me. So nobody in my family quilts. So as a child, like, it wasn't around people that were quilting. But mm-hmm. in our area, there's an area where there's an old order Mennonite population, okay. like Amish. And so we would, in stores and things, we would see quilts. And even as a child, I was really drawn to it. And I don't exactly know why, if it's like the geometry or the shape, but I was really drawn to it. And I would go to the library and I would get out any book about sewing or quilting 
and I would go through the books to try and figure out how they were made. And uh, even as a child, I wanted to make them. In high school, I started to just buy fabric and try and play and figure out how it went. So I don't have one specific memory of this introduced me to quilting, but it Mm -hmm. was just around, and I was really drawn to to it when I saw it. Neat. Well, you two have actually gone to the library to look up books instead of them just being around somewhere. You really had to want that. Yes, and that was in the like probably the early 80s. So there were not a lot of resources available. Like there was certainly no internet or YouTube. And it was just, I went through and checked through every book about sewing or quilting and embroidery and every book that was in my library, I probably checked it out. So (laughs) do you have a favorite quilt? So I've been thinking about this for a long time because that's kind of like asking, like, what's your favorite child? Or, uh-huh. um, like, what's your favorite book that you've read? I had a hard time to answer this because I like a lot of quilts, and especially, like, whatever I happen to be working on at the moment. But going back through everything I've made, my favorite is probably the Kajagi window hanging that I made. I made a set of four seasonal ones, and my favorite is the snowflake, even uh-huh. though... I'm really glad that we're not having snow anymore. I, I really love how the snowflake turned out. It has a darker background and then a white snowflake, and it just it glows and it looks really beautiful in my window. So that would be my favorite. Oh, cool. Do you have a favorite tool? Uh, my favorite tool is actually something a lot of people probably haven't heard of, and it's called a Hera marker, and it's a little plastic tool that you hold in your hand and it has a curved edge and we can use that in for creasing fabric but you can also use it for if you're turning something out like to use in the corners or for like pressing seams I found a lot of different uses for it once I started using it you can use it to mark quilts for um, free motion quilting to mark lines on your quilt so that would be my favorite tool. Wow. What was that called again? It's called a Hera marker, H-E-R-A. Okay. Huh. What's your favorite part of the process? Uh, my favorite part of the process would be piecing. I just like how the pieces go together and playing around with different techniques and seeing how that works. So are you very good at knowing which way the seams should be pressed so that the the corners... Yeah, so they nest together. Um, I don't know if I would say I'm an expert at that. I really have to think about it, um, think it through. Normally, I would just press to the dark side, but then sometimes you press different ways for bulk. Um, So I still am learning as I'm going and figuring things out. Okay. That question was purely selfish. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me about your worst quilting experience. My worst quilting experience was probably a quilt I made for my younger daughter. 
and it has embroidered blocks. So I had all these blocks that were embroidered pictures, and then I set them into nine-patch blocks in bright colors, and I put it all together, and I quilted it, and then when I washed it, one of the colors ran in it. And I kept it. I mean, she was young, so, and she was still playing with it. She's like three or four and would drag it around. So it was okay. And then over time, it did gradually wash out. But that was a really bad, bad experience that I learned from. (laughs) Do you still remember that feeling you saw when you pulled it out? Oh, yes, yes. Just that feeling is so horrible. Mm hmm. So why do you make quilts? So I make quilts as gifts for people. Um, I love to make baby quilts for people because I know that's something that it can be used. The kids can play with it. And, I mean, they might spit up on it or get dirty, but it's something that they'll have that is useful and beautiful. I like quilts to display them. And I think that's beautiful, but I don't, I don't like quilting to say, here's a beautiful thing that we're just going to stick in the cupboard and save for a special occasion. I like it to be beautiful and useful. Mm-hmm. So whether it's on a bed or on a wall, or even if it's a child playing with it on the floor, I like things to be used. Yeah. Who do you usually make them for? I make them for gifts for people that if they know if they're having a baby. A lot of times if I'm designing a pattern, then I have samples that I make. And those those are probably the least used because I just have to keep them to show as samples. Mm-hmm. I have four children, so I make quilts for them or for gifts for other people. Can you share a tip with me? Sure. My biggest tip is to just enjoy the process of what you're doing and don't be too stressed about doing something perfectly. If you're not enjoying it, if you're so stressed out about the process, maybe take a break or try something else and do something fun. Um, Because I think if it's becoming a job and it's difficult and it's stressful, then I don't think that's the purpose of quilting. Because we don't live in an age where you must quilt to keep warm in the winter. Mm-hmm. It should be something enjoyable. Yeah, that's great. So what was the process of quilting for yourself to having a quilting business? Okay, so this is my big story here. <laughs> and I don't know if I should have said part of it back in the beginning. Because where I... Um, I grew up in Cambridge, Ontario, and where I'm living now is about um, a mile, mile and a half from where I grew up, but I did have kind of a journey in the middle. So I grew up here, and then my husband came to this area for school. We got married, we had four children, and we still lived here in the same city. And then about 11 years ago, he was offered a really good job opportunity for a project that was in South Korea. So at that point, we had four children, and they were one, four, 
six and ten. And so we always lived in the same house in the same city. So here's this chance. It's like, oh, well, they'll send us to the other side of the world. We can all live there. And so we thought about it. It's like, should we do it? Shouldn't we do it? So then we were ready for something different. So we decided to do it. So from the time when he signed the contract, agreeing to go on this job, to when we had to leave on the plane, it was six weeks. So we had six weeks to pack up our house to pack up four kids, decide what we're going to take, um, pack up our 17 suitcases that we had for everything we were taking with us, and get over there into South Korea. And so um, the company had an apartment for us that was all furnished and set up. So we did all that. Um, it, It was a great experience overall. It was wonderful. But when we got there, Of course, we got there, and then my husband started working immediately. So I knew nothing about Korea. I was in a strange country. I couldn't read. I didn't know the language. I didn't know where anything was. And and I had four little children who were also going through culture shock. Mm. So that was really um, just overwhelming culture shock. So in that, uh, one of the first things that I bought was a sewing machine because there was so much going on to have something that I knew and something that was familiar. That was just so comforting and steadying for me that in this world where I don't know anything really, here's one thing that I can do and one thing that I know and kind of keep my peace in that. And so I bought my sewing machine and I had brought some fabric with me. So that was something good. And then there were some other Canadians there on our project with us that we got to know and we made really good friendships. And I found at a community center near us, there was a place where they offered classes and all different kinds of classes. Like there was uh, mommy and me music classes and preschool ballet, but then there was also painting and calligraphy and all kinds. Uh, the first time I was there, I saw there was a bunch of samples on the wall from all the different classes. And I saw this one thing, and I didn't even exactly know what it was, but it seemed really interesting to me. And I thought, I want to take that class. So I asked at the desk, can I take the class? And so she had to check with the teacher because some of the teachers didn't want to take English-speaking students, which mm-hmm. was fine. Um, and so she said, I'll ask the teacher. So she asked the teacher, and the teacher said, yes, she would take me as a student. So I started taking this class. And when I started, I didn't even know what it was the first time I showed up. But it was some kind of patchwork, but it wasn't exactly quilting. So I later found out it was for a technique, and it's called pojagi, P-O-J-A. G-I, Pojagi. And a Pojagi is a traditional Korean wrapping cloth. So it's a piece of cloth that is used to wrap things. So you use it to store or to carry or to give as gifts. And it's these things wrapped in fabric. And there's all different kinds of Pojagi. And their history goes back thousands of years. So the earliest written mention is in 42 AD. 
So this is a long history. And so some Pujagi are large pieces of silk or they're um, embroidered and for fancy things. But then there's other Pujagi that women made that were just pieced together with whatever scraps from leftover from clothes. And so just like in Western quilting, it's a similar history that women used whatever they had to stitch things together. So just like when you have a quilt, but with quilting, you might make things that are not necessarily quilts. So a pajagi is a wrapping cloth, but people now use the techniques to make other things that are not necessarily wrapping cloths. And so in this class, I made a lot of different things like placemats and wall hangings and things. I have pictures of things that I made on my blog that people can see. Mm -hmm. And so it's a patchwork technique and it's traditionally made with silk fabric and sometimes it's rainy fabric, which is similar to a linen. And one of the things that's distinctive with the technique is that in the stitching, when you're joining the pieces, your stitching is visible. So when you join the pieces, you're using like an overcast stitch. And it's usually with a different color of thread. And so your stitching is even part of the design. So you have your two pieces that you're joining and the stitching in between that is visible. So I took the class and it was a, it's a three-month session. So I just kept signing up for the next session, the next session. I just kept going back to the class. Other people came and went, and I just kept on going. <laughs> and I just made whatever my teacher said. She would just come in and say, now you're going to make this. Now you're going to make this. And I just did whatever she told me. Um, and I just loved the class so much. When I was in Korea, I started a blog. Basically, the purpose of the blog was to show my mom and my aunt the things that I was making while I was there. I didn't have any big plans for the blog. So I put on some little tutorial for one of the techniques that I learned in this class for the Pujagi. And it was horrible photography. It wasn't really edited very well. But I put it on. And that post on my blog started getting a lot of interest and people were clicking on it and I still to this day I see those horrible pictures are still floating around on Pinterest (laughs) so when I came back to Canada we were there for a couple years and then we came back back to the same city where we always lived then after a while people were still interested in that technique and I started to share it with people I thought maybe I should take this more seriously So eventually I started more serious actual website and I made better pictures for my tutorials. So I shared that along with other traditional Western quilting that I also do. But I also wanted to do with a Pujagi, it's traditionally all done by hand. It was silk fabric and thread. And I do enjoy hand stitching. I really like doing that. It's relaxing. But I also enjoy finishing big projects. And I have four children, and I don't have the time to hand-stitch large projects. So I thought, there should be a way to do this by machine. 
And so I started experimenting and playing around. And I found a technique to do the seam by machine. But the uh, the silk fabric is very expensive and hard to get. So I thought, what else could we do this with? Because you can do the techniques with, with any kind of fabric, but what's going to look good? Mm-hmm. So eventually through trial and error, I found the the one um, Pajagi seam technique is actually reversible. So it doesn't have a batting and it doesn't have a backing. It's just front and back is the same. Reversible patchwork. And when I tried that with fatigue fabric, I was like, oh, this is what works. This mm-hmm. is going to be good. Because when I stitched that and I held it up into the window, it looks like stained glass. It's hard to explain because you have to see a picture. But the seams, because the seams have so many layers of fabric that the light doesn't shine through. And that looks black in the window, just like the leading on stained glass. And the teak fabrics, they do glow. And so it's kind of like um, sometimes people will have a quilt top or flimsy, and they'll hold it up in the window, and, yeah. and then it looks like stained glass. Well, it's just like that, except that it's actually finished on both sides, so you don't have all the raw edges to worry about. So using that technique, I started making um, batik window hangings. So I call that technique modern pojagi because it's a modern take on the traditional um, techniques. Mm-hmm. And so I have pictures on my website and tutorials of how to do the technique of all different modern pojagi window hangings. That's kind of how I got started. The one big thing that I hear from people is, oh, I've been quilting for such a long time and I've never heard of this or I've never seen anything like this. And so I started a couple of years ago going to um, speak to groups and to share with guilds. And that's the thing I hear is people that it's something new, yeah. even for people who've been quilting for a long time. How neat. And they are beautiful. I hope people go to your website to take a look at that. Yes, thank you. I also saw that you were featured in three magazines, Stitch, Canadian Quilter, and Quilter's World. How did that feel to see your... Oh, it, well, it's really exciting, I can see. Sometimes I see, like, popular big-name quilters, and I still think, oh, wow, I'd like to be like that, because I'm thinking I'm not really, like, a well-known name, or I'm not... Um, so just to see my name in a magazine is really is still really exciting to me to think, oh, wow, people like what I'm doing. Because sometimes, especially when I started, because it was so different, I knew it's like, well, I like this, but I don't know if other people will like it. I just started doing it for myself. And so it's nice to see that other people like it too. That's yeah. really nice to feel. Uh-huh. And am I correct? You also make patterns? Yes. So I have some like traditional quilting patterns and I have some embroidery patterns because I also do embroidery. Um, but I do have these modern pujagi patterns, which is done with the reversible patchwork techniques. They're mainly designed to be hung in a window because that's when you get 
get the stained glass effect. Yeah. When you first you got to see your pattern made by somebody else, how did that come across to you? Oh, yes, that was exciting. It still is exciting, and I teach workshops, and I just really enjoy to see people that like their things. And I so I ask people, it's like, send me a picture of what you make, and some people have. It's always exciting for me to see that other people enjoy making it, and other people like it. So it's when people make the patterns you have out there, do they tend to follow your color scheme, or sometimes take it in a different direction than you never thought of. I would encourage people to try their own color schemes, especially with the one workshop that I teach. It's just like a, it's called Pujagi Improv. So you're just mixing pieces. And I just encourage people to pick your favorite colors or pick colors that will match a room. Because it's going to be hung in a window, people are usually trying to think of matching that place where they're going to hang it more so than a quilt that you would move around. I encourage that. And especially batik fabrics are so beautiful that I have not seen a combination that looks bad. So like when you think of stained glass windows, like so many different colors work together and it just Mm -hmm. looks nice. Yeah, I've seen a lot of different color combinations, and I haven't seen anything that's like, ooh, that looks bad. (laughs) Sometimes people want to follow my color scheme exactly, but I say try your own. And, I mean, worst-case scenario, you just hang it somewhere where nobody will see it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is very exciting for me. I have a porch that has a lot of windows, and I've always wanted to do the small top windows in stained glass but I don't know how to do that but I think this is something I could learn to put up there I think this would really work yes this is this would be perfect for that and and you can switch it out like people can make switch it out for seasonal um yeah and you can't switch out glass that easy yes Yes, the one question that people always ask, and they'll say, if it's hanging in a window, are the colors going to fade? So I will say up front, yes, over time, the the fabrics will fade. I have one sample. It was hanging in my window for six years, and you can clearly see where the light was on it. It was faded. Mm -hmm. Now, still, if it's hanging in the window, it looks fine. But my philosophy is that if it's hanging in the window for six years and I really enjoy it and then it fades, then I can make another one or I can use it for something else. I don't think it owes me like 50 years or something like that. (laughs) If I enjoy seeing it every day for six years or 10 years, then I think that's fine. But if if people are really worried about something fading, then I'd say maybe something else like I don't know what wouldn't fade in the window but yes it will fade but you'll get a lot of years out of it yeah so neat you mentioned using batiks and and, but your snowflakes white Mm -hmm. so there's white batiks yes white is actually the hardest to find I really look for they're usually like kind of white or beige patterned on them 
So, yeah, I always keep my eye out for really light-colored batiks or something white because that is the hardest to find. The one nice thing with modern Pajagi is that when you're done the piecing, then you're done. So for all the people that have all these tops and it's like now I have to do something with it, I, I really enjoy the whole quilting process, like quilting them together, but it does take time. And then you mm-hmm. have all these things built up. Or some people don't like quilting. They only want a piece and then they'll hire a long arm or send them out to be quilted. It's like, well, if you don't like quilting, then this could be the perfect thing for you because you just do piecing and then you're done. Yeah. But is there anything else that you'd like to share? I am working on for this summer. It's a traditional quilt. It's not modern Pajagi, but I am doing a star sampler quilt along with a bunch of different stars in a sampler quilt. So you can check out for more information on that on my website, which is epidastudio.com. So E-P-I-D-A, epidastudio.com. So epida, because people ask, what is epida? What does that mean? It's a made up word. But it's derived from the Korean word for beautiful, which I have a really bad accent, but it's like yipida, yipida. And that was a word I heard when we lived in Korea. My youngest daughter was one years old, and she had blonde hair, bright blue eyes, like big curls. Mm-hmm. And so walking down the street all the time, women would stop and they would just be saying, Ipida, Ipida. And I didn't know what it meant at first. I thought it was baby or something. And then I found out it meant beautiful, beautiful. Um, And so I picked that to be the name of my business just because I thought the traditional Korean work was so beautiful and that just inspired me. That's so cool. Well, this was wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing with me. Well, thanks so much for inviting me. I really enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed this episode of A Quilter's Life. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Thanks for listening. Thank you.